and uh, wait. <laughs> I forgot that I usually do like a cold open now. Oh uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Um, did, uh, well, let me just ask you this now. Um, did you know that there were like prophets in uh, in DS Nine? <laughs> Yes, I did. Yeah, there. So the, that's like the very first episode of the show. Actually, is that like Cisco comes to like live on this station, and then they appear to him and tell him that he's this whatever like chosen prophesied one that's really important to the Bajorans. And then it's kind of like not mentioned again until at least in like most of the ones that I've seen. That kind of no one really mentions it. Yeah, and they're apparently like actual god. Like it, it almost, if I remember right, and it's been a while, it almost makes it just seem like the Bajoran religion is the actual like true religion. Like because they're they're these gods that they worship actually do exist and actually are like prophetic. It's it's a little again. I I don't know the lore well enough to. That's about all I know about it. But yeah, there are these prophets, and they'll. I feel like if. Gene Roddenberry believed that he could roll over in his grave. <laughs> this episode would have made him roll over in his grave. It's entirely possible. Hi, and welcome to uh, Out of Contracts, a show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. I nailed that on a cold, uh, a cold memorization. I didn't. I didn't. Oh, nice! Uh, you didn't have your... Yeah, I didn't have it in front of me this time. So this is yeah. This is a show where this is our thirteenth uh, episode, I believe, where we uh, put a bunch of numbers corresponding to different episodes of any Star Trek show into a random number generator, and we watch uh, the corresponding episodes to the numbers that come up into the generator. And we do uh, what the computer tells us to do. Yes, and um, we, uh, we this 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 week we're watching Tears of the Prophets. That's uh, season six, episode twenty-six, the season finale of season six of uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, um, which is a show that prior to this podcast I had seen none of, and Brady, you had seen the first season of, correct? Yeah, I think give or take. Yeah. Okay, this episode was written by Ira Stephen Bear and. Hans Beamler, I think, and directed by Alan Croker. Uh, and the the memory alpha kind of like initial synopsis of this episode is Cisco leads an invasion of Cardassian territory, ignoring a warning from the prophets, with fatal cons- with bleh, with fatal consequences for a member of the DS9 crew. Season finale in Season yeah. Yes. So you texted me yesterday <laughs> I think I, we, I texted you a couple times when I was watching yeah uh, so I think we should be careful to say that we're not necessarily casting judgment on an entire show uh, because we do realize there's like 200 some episodes of it and this is the fourth episode of Deep Space Nine that we've watched but um, what did your text to me say uh I don't know, man. It may just be that DS9 isn't great. I don't know how much more we can blame on sampling error. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like, at least initially, and it, I forget if we talked about this on the air or not, but I think, you know, we were saying that we were trying to give it the benefit of the doubt, and it, you know, maybe that we've just, because of the randomness, not gotten good episodes or very good episodes of, of Deuce Space Nine, whereas by comparison, you know, we've gotten pretty good Voyager episodes. You know, TNG, we've gotten kind of hit or miss. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure how many episodes, like, how many more not great Deep Space Nine episodes we can watch before we just say, maybe it's just overall doesn't hit as much as some of the other shows do. I mean, it is, you know, qualifier, qualifier, qualifier. Uh, we have only watched, I mean, well, you and I have watched five episodes, but so far we've talked about on the podcast only this is going to be our fourth episode. Um, spoiler alert for what we're going to do on the next episode. But yeah. the <clears throat> it really tr- truly Star Trek is such an inconsistent thing that you could watch four or five episodes of a good show and 
happen to see, you know, four or five not very good episodes. Uh, even though I would say the second episode yes. we watched of DS9 is actually pretty good. That, that was yeah. good, yeah. Yeah, the, but uh, you can see our episode two for that uh, discussion. But it... Uh, that and also obviously this is yet another one of the episodes of DS9 that is towards the end of the show and so it's super serialized and so I think I understood this one a little bit better than I, I did on our very first episode but it still was uh, there are definitely things that I did not understand or things where I kind of just assumed oh okay so this must mean this or this must mean that whether as opposed to if I was watching it the way that I was supposed to the way that a normal person would watch the show in order I would probably understand more of it. So, I would I, hope so at least. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it that. That being said, yeah, this episode, as as I said in our uh, cold open, there seems to be to me a couple things about this episode that kind of seem counter to the vision of Star Trek, sort of, and and, and not to. I guess I'm not. I don't want to like venerate Gene Roddenberry unnecessarily because by many accounts, you know had some good elements and also had some not great elements, but the the the, ex, the seemingly explicitly spiritual nature of this episode seemed very, very counter to kind of the ethos of the show as I, uh, as yeah, I generally yeah. and, perceive it. And maybe there's, again, maybe there's more to that backstory that provides a little more of an explanation for it. Mm-hmm. But... But yeah, it really does come across as actual prophets or gods or demons or whatever that other thing was. Yeah, it's very right. So so let's 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 get into it a little bit. So just as a contextual grounding, the last part of I don't I don't know like what two or three seasons of or maybe more even of D Space Nine, which is the show that's set on a space station instead of on a ship. Uh, they, the, it involves the Federation of Planets, uh, along with, uh, in this episode, the Romulans, being at war against a kind of an evil alliance of beings called the Dominion, who is, is, it seems like most of their leadership is uh, Cardassian, although I, yeah. I could be And this is something that. that I didn't realize how long or how much of the show that took up because th- so this is the last episode of season six right and this is you know the this war has it seems like been going on at least for a little while you know this is i think this is it seems like the episode where they the notable thing that happens here is they take instead of being just defensive they tr- start to take the war to the dominion or to the cardassians or whatever right but so that means that because the you know we watched an episode near the end of season seven and the same war is still going on so presumably the show ends with the end of this war so that's an entire at least an entire season like all of season seven is just about this war which that in itself seems very kind of uncharacteristic of star trek to me it's very modern yeah you don't think of star trek as being the it's like epic space war between two giant armies or in like long kind of overarching story arcs that last a whole season, or at least not ones where like you actually have to watch them in order. You know, like the, the yeah, you know, yeah, the if most you... there will be is like a two-part episode and then like a fallout thing. You know, there's right. the best of both worlds, which is the Borg, and then I think there's one epi- The next episode after that is Picard going back to his brother's yeah. vineyard in France to find himself, and then that the next episode, episode after that is like back on the Enterprise, and it's you know, they kind of are on to a, a new story. Like, it's just a very... It just it doesn't seem like what I'm used to from other Star Trek shows. Um, right, and, and, like, things have consequences up to a point on, on those shows in the sense of, like, you know, the, the episode where Picard gets his brain transferred into another dude in the past and then lives that guy's whole life and then comes back to his own body like the the you know that manifests itself occasionally because maybe like there's like one other episode where he talks about it a lot later and then there's multiple other episodes yeah, where he just plays a flute but it's not yeah. like you have to see that episode to understand like to you're not watching him play the flute and saying like i don't understand why is he playing that flute you know maybe yeah, there's, there's he just likes to play the flute. and there's kind of character arcs and development but there's not a it's not like they're telling one story in multiple parts Um, yeah 
which, and, and I don't know if they do or not, but usually if you have something like a war that begins and ends, it's got a little bit more of that sense. Yeah, this is very... Um, the only other thing I've seen from Star Trek that kind of compares to this is Discovery. Discovery, I haven't seen season two, but season one, it is basically a... It's it's very serialized. There's there's cliffhangers in every episode and almost and it, it you you couldn't watch it out of order and get the same effect certainly. But we're going to. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but uh, so I, I think honestly, from what I understand, I think it's even more of the it's. I think I want to say that maybe even all of season six is about. This yeah, as well. at, least, at least a um, big part of it. It seems like because this is very, it seems this is very much kind of in the middle of yeah, it. yeah. It's already been going on uh, from what from what it appears. So um, you know, speaking of that, so basically the the the, the episodes. Well, the 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 cold open the, the the beginning of the cold open is actually something that seems entirely unrelated, which is that Kira, who is kind of the first officer of this ship, I believe, is having a fight with Odo about Odo arresting someone for conducting like an improper fundraiser. And then that kind of doesn't really get addressed. There's like one other, there's like one other scene in the episode where that they talk about that, that is totally unrelated to the rest of the show. Right. Yeah. Both that, that was, I thought a weird, I think both that one and the whole weird little, I guess until the end, the, the whole thing with, um, Bashir and Quark and uh, Dax and Worf and that whole like weird love quadrangle yeah was it was all very it just had nothing to do with the actual story that was going on and it was it almost just seemed like they had to come up with something for these characters to do mm-hmm. so the the main thrust of this though is that it seems like not very long before this the Dominion or someone had taken over, I assume it's the Dominion, had taken over Deep Space Nine, and then in a, in a previous episode to this, I probably the episode before this, but who knows, uh, the the Dominion had taken over the Deep Space Nine, and the Federation, or Starfleet, had just taken it back. And so Captain Sisko is getting a, uh, a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor, Pike, a little yeah. shout-out. Yeah, a little shout out for for original series fans, and then they they kind of tell him that his 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 you know supervising officer or commanding officer tells him that the Federation has decided to not be on the defensive anymore. They want to go on the offensive against the Dominion to to kind of end the war that's been going on, and they want him to uh, plan the invasion of Cardassia. Which is, uh, I believe, the it's, it seems like the home, the kind of the home base of the Dominion. Although who really knows? Because in the in the last time we watched the Dominion episode, it looked like the queen of the of the Dominion was one of the Odo shapeshifter people. So yeah, I think uh, I think the Dominion are f- originally from the Gamma Quadrant, like where the other side of the wormhole. Because okay. in the and I, yeah, because I think in the in um, sanctuary they make some you know the refugees kind of make some oh that's right some mention yeah. of like we're fleeing from the dominion um, and so I think some of them had come through and then they allied with the Cardassians mm. um, so they're sort of fighting the Cardassians together with these uh, this kind of more alien threat from from the Dominion, who are these super powerful beings that are on, and that's why they're trying, like the Dominion are trying to open, or the Cardassians or whoever, are trying to open the wormhole so they can bring more of the Dominion through to conquer the Alpha Quadrant. Mm-hmm. Okay. I that's, I think that's kind of the main thrust of the scenes where it's just, like, bad guys doing bad guy stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, after we get this, there's kind of a little scene where you find out that Jezia Dax and Worf, who are married, and I think this is the first. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize they got married. I did not realize they got married. Uh, but this is this is the, this is I think the first episode we have watched with both of them in it. Yeah. I believe because because I think uh, in 
season uh, seven, the first episode we watched for the show, uh, Dax is in a different host because Dax is a Dax is a trill who kind of takes up different humanoid hosts, and um, and then in the other two episodes we've watched, uh, Worf is not on the show yet. Uh, so they're married apparently, and they're thinking about having a kid, and this makes. The- <laughs> I also wrote down about that scene because um, that scene starts out with the two of them kind of coming out of the holodeck, and and Worf at least is car- is definitely carrying a batleth. I forget if yeah. Dax is too or if she has something, and then uh, Bashir kind of like just starts trash talking them a little like as soon as they come out he's just like well where were you guys what were you doing for so long and i wrote down is it really a good idea to like talk like that to a klingon carrying a batleth like it's like the well, first thing you say to him is just start trash talking yeah and it seems like he's implying that they were doing it on the holodeck it to me but maybe maybe not but yeah uh, or but something. then they they say they were talking about they were talking about uh having a kid which bums out uh, Dr. Bashir and Quark, who and both, Quark. it seems, have uh, have uh, unresolved feelings for Jadzia. That, yeah. And we're, we're kind of hoping that she would get that divorced, was... which kind of sucks. That, that's yeah, I think is what that... I don't know, that whole, that whole thing... And I don't know if there's backstory that makes it make sense, but it was just weird. But really, though, the, the reason that that scene exists is to make you sadder when, spoiler alert, uh, Jadzia dies at the end of this episode. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, that, that's kind of the real reason why it's there from a narrative perspective, I think. But, uh, that again, that's as you said earlier, that's not really a main part of the episode. Most of, most of the episode is either... Uh, a scene of Wayun, the previously discussed Roblo alien, um, talking with uh, two different Cardassians. Okay, is that that was my is is that the same guy from? Oh no no wait yeah so, yeah it is yeah, it so is Wayun is the same guy. What I couldn't figure out it the the Cardassian like one of the Cardassians is I think the one that then is a good guy in the first one we matched. Well okay this is. This I this is time for me to break out one of the only like six notes I think that I wrote for this episode, which was okay. I cannot tell Cardassians apart. <laughs> I I, I had the fair. same I had the same problem with Klingons when I first started watching the show because I think it's just like the amount of facial prosthetics that they yeah they wear see, is like, so much that it's really hard to see like fa- individual features. like facial features like it you know eventually I, I i could tell Worf apart right away and i could tell gowron apart right away but then a lot of the other klingons <laughs> i just kind of would look at them and say well i assume that based on context clues this is the one that you are because it's just hard to tell and that's how i felt about these guys too i i, I had no idea whether any of these people had been on previous episodes of the show and I still don't. If you tell me that one of them ends up defecting to Starfleet, I believe you. But I would have no way of knowing. Uh, they look, they look so alike. Yeah, but, but I, and again, I might be wrong. But I feel like, like one of them looked familiar, and I thought was, or like a, the name. His name was Damar, which I think was a name that was in the other one we watched too. Okay. So I don't know if he defected, or or if maybe he was the bad guy in that one too. I forget. Yeah, because he's he's working with Weyun, the Rabo guy, yeah. and then they are trying to figure out how to best uh, defeat both the Romulans and Starfleet. Yeah, and the Klingons. Yeah, kind of all of them have joined together to, and so their their main, what becomes kind of the main uh, plot point for this episode, at least, is they've created these unmanned defense satellite things right kind of float space turrets yeah that are in this area that was otherwise considered like a weak point in their defenses and they're about to activate these things and then you know no one will be able to to get through and so and then starfleet finds this out and so they have to well first they have to convince the romulans to help them and then they all decide that they have to go and destroy these these things before they're fully operational so to speak and so Weyun and Demar are worried about this, and then there's another guy called Dukat, I think, who yeah, who's... who who basically says you guys are worrying about the wrong thing. Uh, I 
have for some you know in some previous yeah, incarnation no I, had, I had his deal is. <laughs> I had fought with Cisco and now I am I have an idea for how to you know turn the tide and basically basically so this is this this is this is it, honestly like I understood more what was going on but I feel like us explaining it is going to be even more impenetrable than our first episode <laughs> but so okay so backing up as we uh-huh. as we talked about in the cold open apparently the th- the things that run the wormhole or like power it or something or like or it seems actually no I think they can keep people who they don't want to going into the wormhole like to, to coming out of the wormhole yeah. rather they're, yeah. they're 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 called the prophets and they yeah. are and the bajorans kind of worship them as gods right because the because the wormhole again which is what there's there's a wormhole around the planet of bajor which is why ds9 is there uh, and yeah the, the bajorans worship them as gods and they they live in the wormhole and there's some discussion in this episode as to whether they are actually prophets or gods or whether they're just powerful aliens who live in the wormhole yeah. and which does lead to I, I guess we can get to because this could be a much longer discussion but there's there's a little scene and just a great line that uh happens between Wayun and one of the cardassians uh where Wayun is just like you know oh all this superstition that the bajorans believe is just silly you know who who believes in in gods and things like that, and the Cardassian says like, well, what about you know you believe in and I forget what they call them, but you believe in your in your gods, and he's yeah. like, well, that's different. They're actually gods, right? And, and that, just... I I like that actually. That, that was like one of the things about this bit that I that I liked is that kind of you know I mean I think I think you and I would s- still both uh, consider ourselves. Uh, Part part of of Christianity, uh, you know, or at least you know, <laughs> that's that's. Right. I, I don't want to speak for you, I guess, but uh, you know, even though we have some uh, issues with uh, American Christianity in particular, you know, uh, but I think that that is that was actually something that I thought was a, a good thing about this is that they do kind of call out like the way that that. Uh, a lot, a lot of people, I think, who are who are religious, uh, feel about other people's religions, which is like, oh, that's that's silly. But then, yeah, that's kind of the y- silly, like superstition, you know. And and my religion is just that's just kind of the way things are. Like, but if you didn't believe your own religion, and someone explained it to you, you would maybe think it was silly, you know, right? Uh, or at least parts of it. Yeah, but uh, you don't think of yours as much of as like a like religious beliefs as much as just facts about how the world is but everybody else has their you know theirs is just these kind of beliefs that they've made up yeah but that being said uh from our from our uh worldly ears who are you know who us who are accustomed to kind of some of the major world religions i still think what what his what the Ducat believes does sound a little, a little bit goofy, which is that there are prophets who live in this wormhole and they control it, and that Cisco communes with them. Which I believe you said is something that happens in the first episode of Deep Space Nine that he yeah, kind of and it's it's just, a, it's just it's some kind of psychic like, link with them. Yeah, it's it's very much like when there's a scene like in in this one where the prophets talk to him, where kind of all of these sort of faces that he knows is sort of how they appear to him and they say cryptic-ish things to him and then they disappear and he goes back to where he was and but yeah but they've essentially chosen him as this they call it the emissary which mm-hmm. i forget what the implications of that is but that he's he's important to the bajoran religion and is sort of like respected by the bajoran people because he's been chosen by the prophets yeah, he kind of seems like the prophet of the prophets, like kind of like a yeah. And again, and then and in most episodes, that has you know doesn't even come into play, or no one seems to. Well, certainly, I, I didn't even realize that was a thing until this episode. In this episode, they tell him not to leave. They the the prophets they come to him in a dream, it seems, and they tell him that he should stay. Yeah, that he can't leave leave Bajor because that's where he belongs. Which raised the question to me: Is that a like is that a blanket thing? Like has he really never left Deep Space Nine for six seasons of the show, or are they just talking about like this one? Like he shouldn't go on this one thing. 
Yeah, to me it seemed like they were saying don't go because something bad's going to happen while you're gone, which to me didn't really make sense because I don't really know that him being there would have changed what happened on Deep yeah. Space Nine while he was gone because it's just like one person goes into a, like an almost empty room and kills someone and then takes like like is like, the only way that it does if a thing. Yeah, he would have happened to have been in there. That, that that that's the only way that he would have been able to save anything bad from happening. But yeah, yeah, I remember thinking that of just like, is did him not like being there or not being there really make any difference? But right, I don't feel like it did. I'm trying to get back on track here. So there's little there's little kind of interlude. No, no, don't don't apologize. It's I it's it's just it's a it's these these episodes are hard to talk about. They're they're because they just kind of jump all over the place. But yeah. There's a little interlude where um, Quark and Bashir are in the holodeck uh, that's set up to look like a lounge. Um, yeah. Like, like, and there's like a lounge singer there who I thought would do it was maybe like the best performance in the episode. Like to the point where I looked him up to see if he was a real lounge singer or whether he yeah, was just so, a so guy. Because he, he he looks like a very like. Tony Curtis or yeah, really, really a lot. Tony Bennett. Um, and I so yeah, I looked it up to see like who who is that actually, and, right? And you probably found out the same thing that I, that apparently this is. So his name is the character's name is Vic Fontaine, which is He's great. apparently like a recurring character on the show. Yeah, which that I feel is a very, very Star Trek like thing that they yes. they have a, a recurring character that's a hologram that's a a jazz singer that runs this lounge yeah. that people go to. And it's very like stereotypical '50s New York jazz singer. Yeah. A the dames and the broads and type of guy. <laughs> he basically tells you. I think what he says to like, like basically he says like, "There's plenty of fish in the sea," but he basically says like that there's like plenty of aliens in space in the space. Like he says like space is really big or something like that. Yeah. So there's someone else out there for you, which kind of does make them feel a little and it better. Makes them both. They, I think they even like say like, do you feel better? Yeah, I do feel better. And then that's, and then Cork says like, I bad. should come back here sometime. Like, <laughs> so that, that again, not really anything to do with the rest of the episode, but then basically before they go attack Cardassia, the Star- Starfleet kind of discovers that the Dominion is getting these 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 drones or these these turrets ready at the Chintoka system, uh, so they have to attack there first before those can kind of get online, basically. And um, they kind of negotiated with the Romulans earlier to help get them to help attack, make the attack, and the Romulans are being their typical smug selves, uh, but ultimately agree to. Yeah, um, that that meeting I have some things to say about. But we can. Come oh yeah, well tell, well tell us. Tell, we've already went past it, so talk about it. So, so the there's a couple of scenes with the Romulans, but the main one is there's this meeting where they're really trying to convince the Romulans to to sort of come help fight with them, and it's it's Starfleet and the Klingons and the Romulans are all sitting at this table together, and just my first reaction was why would you bring the Klingons to that meeting? Right. Because literally the first thing that happens, at least when like we join the scene, is the Romulan is like, this Klingon's just going to call me a coward, isn't he? And the Klingon's just like, yup. Yeah, like, the Klingon's like, but you are a coward. And that's just... And then the like, Romulans the, are like, you should be in a zoo. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, like, they can't get anywhere because the Klingons and Romulans just... You know, I feel like if there was ever a situation to have, like, an intermediary where you have them in two separate rooms and, you know, the the Starfleet person kind of goes and talks to one and then goes and tells the other mm-hmm. one what they said and kind of tempers the vitriol a little bit. I feel like this would be that situation. I don't know why you would have them all in the same room and expect to get anything done. I, I mean, I've said this before, but Star Trek is such a weird show because sometimes it makes me feel like the writers of the show are being racist against a fictional <laughs> against, right. uh, race of aliens because it... it I do, I really do find, like, the recurring races in these these shows to be interesting, but at the same time, it really does seem most of the time, like, they're all the same. And, and, you know, so, so that, like, all Romulans are kind of smart and smug, and all Klingons are, get kind of too angry too quickly, and all, uh, Frenkie are greedy, you know, like, it's... It that's not and that's not how 
humans work. Like, it's not like all humans are, I don't know, maybe maybe if, like, there was a real Vulcan that kind of came here and, and he would be, he would go back and do his Vulcan stand-up and he'd just say, you know, humans, humans are always like this. Humans like, but be I, like, I, yeah. yeah, I don't know, I guess I don't know what that would be, though. Like, And then it, everyone it, would be like, that is true. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. It is just because you were stuck in there. Performance of true yeah. statements. They're all just stuck in the chance and saying it. It is funny because it is accurate. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Vulcans are very much the kind of people who don't laugh. They just say that is funny. Yeah, yeah. They 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 they, they, they really like um like a lot of like the the, the current round of like uh late night where it's kind of a lot of it is kind of less like <laughs> yeah. jokes and just kind of more just like stating like, this things is thing that actually happened in the news. Yeah. Yeah, just like whenever, whenever John Oliver would say something, he's like, "And that's real." Like, maybe like that is real. We didn't have to write that. <laughs> that is not a joke. Yeah. Um. The, uh, but anyway, though, I, I just I just think that's like something that's. It's just I always I always find that notable that that it's always it just seems like ever like it's so notable when one person isn't like that of the of those races and I, like i don't know that i've seen a non arrogant romulan yet you know i've seen a cup like yeah one or two like kind of like smaller degrees uh like like you know a little bit more chill klingons and then it seems like there is one yeah so like in this in this episode work wharf uh wharf kind of comes across as like the most reasonable klingon there is um yeah yeah, he like actually is nice to like. I will say that is one thing that I think both of these two later period DS9 episodes that I liked about them is that it does seem like Worf has kind of finally gone on some sort of emotional journey to become more self actualized. And I'm a big, I'm a big Worf fan, but I I really do, I like that they basically he just kind of persists being a Star Trek character for so long that they actually finally give him some character development, and you know he says something. The last time he sees, well, the second last time he sees uh, Jadzia, he kind of says, she says, I wish I could go with you. And he's like, you will be there. And then he kind of puts his hand over his heart. And it's maybe that's like a little corny, but it's also like, it's crazy to imagine like TNG work worth doing that. And it's like, oh, that's cool that like you, you have kind of, I, I, it's kind of like a masculinity thing of that. He's more he's secure enough now in his masculinity or his Klingonness to be able to like express himself in an effective and like true way, which I thought was that that was like a nice little moment, I thought. Yeah, that relationship and again it's unfortunate that we're only seeing the episode where it ends, but that relationship between him and her, I'd be very curious to see how that developed. I think that could be some really interesting character story. Well, and if you recall, he does in the in the in the season seven episode we watched, he does have a little conversation with Ezri Dax, who is the oh, uh, is that? Because remember at the time, like she was the, this character that I just didn't recognize at all, and I was like, oh, they must have introduced her later. Oh, okay, yeah. so she. I believe that's 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 kind of the the successor that's... to Jadzia, who is so it, the the trill or like the 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 symbiote inside of her is the same symbiote that was inside of uh, Jadzia, but then. She is a different host, so she is a, she's a different person, but also like kind of a similar. It kind of, there's it's it's yeah, yeah the trill. I think watch, the trill thing is really interesting. Watch our previous episode. Yeah, I listen listen to our previous episode. Or listen, or you, yeah, you could you well, could you listen watch, to it while you, you stared at the screen. screen but, right. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, they've convinced the Romans to help them out, and they kind of go to the attack. They're they're kind of getting ready to attack, but then we cut back to. Uh, Dukat and Damar and Wayun and Wayun or Dukat has has brought I don't know what he I don't know what this is he comes in he has a box with like a weird little like icon in it and he breaks the icon in half and like some weird fire comes out of it and then possesses him and his eyes turn red and that in in memory alpha is telling me that that is a pa wraith but I don't know what that is or what that means it just it, it it was gibberish to me, but he now he has some kind of power in him that he thinks will be able to help him on his his mission, and, and this this I think is the thing where I was really kind of so I believe it, the I've read before that 
I'm not 100% sure for the original series, but certainly for TNG, when Roddenberry was working on TNG, he kind of had like a mandate that just to not show religion, basically at all. Mm. Or like that none of the main characters would be like explicitly religious because he kind of is feeling like this is taking place in sort of like a sort of a post-religious society where everything is like powered by you know humanity and logic and all that stuff and again i don't think that it's bad to be religious i like i said i i'm you know at least a little bit religious and i don't think that it's bad to show that stuff either but this seems like straight up magic like all all of this (laughs) All of this stuff yeah. that's in this episode, it, it's it's and it's not like usually like if they would have to be magic, they you know they would kind of have like the the out of saying like well it's a godlike being you know like well like Scarlet Goth is a godlike being Q is a godlike being powerful telepathy or psycho like telekinesis or something yeah and there's stuff in this episode that reminds me of like nothing more than like Indiana Jones truly like the the the, <laughs> yeah. the thing that he yep. does later is like straight up like the end of raiders but backwards like when he when he like well we'll get to that but like he he looks like he looks like he's like temple of doom when he breaks this thing in half and like just like some weird magic stuff comes out of it and then comes into him i'm just like what is happening and and then like you know all the prophet stuff seems that way too where it just it does kind of that that almost reminds me of like uh you know the end of the 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 immortal line from uh Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, knowledge was their treasure. Their treasure was knowledge. <laughs> the, just like the, that council of, of aliens that, you know, at the end of that yeah. of, of that it's movie. It's like, oh, they were, they were just actually aliens. And, and I, I will go on the record as saying that I still I do kind of like Crystal Skull, so I, I'm, you know, uh, that's a whole other conversation. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it, just, it just seems so out of place, this stuff. I don't, did you feel that way? Yeah, I agree. I, it, this this whole episode just didn't feel like Star Trek in so many ways. Um, yeah, you know, I think that's a big part of it. There's the, you know, epic space battle, which yeah. I don't know if they just put that together for because I mean it is a season finale, so usually your production values are way higher. But but it seemed like something out of like a a sci-fi movie. You know, you have these yeah. ships kind of peeling off and dogfighting in space, which is just something we've. I've never seen in Star Trek. And I didn't yeah. mind that, because w- it was, like, relatively well done, I thought, for the time, yeah. uh, you know, for a yeah. TV show. But, yeah, it really did feel just really strange to see all this stuff. Now, I, my my kids happened to be watching part of this episode, and my, my son was very impressed with the amount of spaceships that were on the screen, which is probably the first time he's ever been impressed by a Star Trek thing. But, but yeah, it, it really did feel just a very strange uh, episode. So... Uh, eventually, the Starfleet people they go to uh, they go kind of go launch their fleet, and there's an, an, another race of, of people I think that called the Gem Hadar uh, that are also working with the Dominion, and they kind of do a bunch of kamikaze attacks on some of the Starfleet ships. But basically, there's kind of like a big battle, and that kind of just goes on after a while, and it's, it's not bad, but there's not also not really like to talk about. They still manage to work in the typical Star Trek thing where there's, oh no, there's this obstacle that we can't get past. It's like, but what if we do science to it? And then they do, and then it works, and we've overcome it. Right, there's a um, shielding. Like, all, all of the kind of like, kind of Ender's Game style, all of the um, the, the the turrets are controlled by like a central, a central command. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so they have to just as soon as they. I mean, I don't know why it's like Ember's game. It could. I mean, it could be Star Star Wars Episode One or anything. You know, any of that stuff. Yeah. And anything where like everything is just controlled by like a central nervous system. And yeah. so. And that central thing has these shields that they their weapons aren't powerful enough to to hit the shields. Mm-hmm. And then they like O'Brien, I think, or someone on the ship is like, but what if we, what if we do the science thing so that then, the the turrets attack their own moon because mm-hmm. they think it's us and they do that and it works and and all the turrets get lose their power and shut down and it's fine you know yeah it's 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 not bad it's it's yeah it's not the most kind of out of the out of nowhere repolarize the neutrino sequence mm-hmm. so then mean, meanwhile uh, dr bashir has told has told dax that 
even though it's usually hard for a Trill and a Klingon to have a kid, basically she like her hormone therapy seems like it will probably be it will probably work, so she should be able to have a kid. And she's very excited about that. And earlier in the episode, Kira, who is Bajoran, has told her that she basically prayed for her that she would be able to have a kid. So then she goes to the temple where what is this thing? <laughs> like, like it's it's called the the orb of contemplation is here, and it yeah. must be like just it must be like the way that that the prophets in yeah. the wormhole can can. I don't can, know if the prophets are in there or if it's a way to communicate with them. It's some again. It's very much presented as just like a mystical artifact, like you said, a very Indiana Jones type. Yeah, and. Thing. She goes there to pray to. The, she kind of says like, "Hey, I'm not really sure if you guys are real, but like, or, I'm not really not really real, but I'm not really sure if you guys are deities or not. But hey, if just in case you are, like, I'd love to get pregnant." And, and again, I, I can't stress enough how I, much I don't know what this orb is, and how I'm not 100 percent sure whether I would know more if I watched other episodes of the show, because it it is an orb that. It seems like allows some some manner of communication between the wormhole aliens and the people outside the wormhole, but then also, as we learn from when Ducat wants to destroy it, it also seems to be the source of the wormhole aliens' power to keep people from going through the wormhole who they don't want to go through the wormhole, right? Uh, because that's why he wants yeah, to destroy it. I th- yeah, I think that that seems like what he yeah. So then. Um, she kind of does this little prayer, and then uh, Ducat teleports into the space station there, which I'm not sure how he did that. Like, uh, like I feel like they probably have some kind of like defense system, so you just can't, just like strangers can't usually port on. Yeah, the... it seems like you could, if if he could do that, you could probably have just like invaded and ended the war at any time a whole lot faster. It's a, it's it's not really clear how he gets there and then gets out. It must be. It must be. Well, that's the thing is because, like, I was going to say it must be because of that thing that's in him, the paw wraith. But then it seems like the paw wraith mm-hmm. leaves him later. And then how does he get away? Yeah, so and then I, he's, I, he's I, just like... Because the, the visuals, if I remember it, it just looks like a normal teleporter. Or, yeah. So then he, he kind of comes in and Jadzi is there and then he kind of shoots an energy beam out of his hand at her. That's, that, again, apparently is the power of this thing that's inside of him. And... She gets uh, the time I because I, I, I had kind of accidentally gotten spoiled that she dies in this episode, so I assumed that she was dead then. But she's not actually dead then. She she is just kind of grievously injured. Um, and then he goes over to where the orb of contemplation is, and he opens the box where the orb is, and then all of the the energy in him leaves him in something which I referred to it in my brain as a reverse Raiders of the Lost Ark where. Instead of like an energy beam coming out of a box and zapping someone, like an energy beam is zapping out of someone into a box. Because uh, like the look on his face is very similar to like the looks of like the you know the Nazi hanger guy and um, Belloc and and the other dude in the in in that scene. <laughs> um, and then that makes the orb turn black, and apparently it is. Again, I don't. Again, I don't really know. Like, does it just sever the communication, or does it kill the prophets? Because the the as soon as this happens, Cisco gets a really bad headache and kind of like kind of almost keels over on the bridge. Yeah, like, he where feels he is. millions of voices cry out. That's exactly <laughs> yes. That's exactly exactly what I was gonna say. Is that it? It was so so similar to that the part where Alderaan blows up. Like, what happens to Obi-Wan? It was. <laughs> It was that. That's that's the the biggest Star Wars link I think we've discovered so far on the show. And so I don't. Are they dead? Like, are they? It just. I, it's, yeah, I don't know. Cause yeah, then like no one can talk to them or hear from them anymore. And mm-hmm. also the wormhole just closes, right? Like the wormhole just goes away. Which why well, thought that it. Well, see, I think that I don't think the wormhole is just open all the time. So I thought that it just was. That was kind of it, like kind of like rebooting or something, and then and oh, then like yeah. now anyone can go through it at any time. But I could be wrong. I, that's again, I don't know that that was super explained. So then, that's basically it. That they, they go they go back, and there's a scene of Worf being sad that uh, Dax dies because Dax dies in his arms, and then he's he's sad, 
and yeah. but they you you kind of you or no, not Dax dies, uh, Jadzia yeah, dies because then they 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 get they get they're able to save Dax the symbiote part, which is why which is how um, there's another person who's inhabited by Dax uh, in the next season. So um, he she dies in his arms and he's very sad, and then there's a scene where Cisco is sad uh, about this. And then, yeah. and, and he then just leaves. He leaves, and this, and then in the cliffhanger, like the the last shot of the finale of the la, of the second last season of the show, is he's at his dad's restaurant on Earth, scrubbing potatoes, and also his son works there. And all I just wrote was, "What?" Like, is is that? What I, was, I couldn't figure out what he was doing. It looked to me like he was washing rocks, and I was like, "Is this just some sort of like?" Again, like religious, like penance type or like meditation type thing, or like does for so. It, I was trying to figure out what they were because like it's something that has to do with the with the restaurant or. No, according to, according to Memory Alpha, it's clams. Like he's scrubbing clams at his oh. dad's restaurant. So he just left to work at his dad's restaurant, and he's not sure if he's gonna come back. And I like if the last episode we like this would have been the weirdest thing that had happened in any episode we watched so far if the last episode hadn't been half about trying to find out what some guy's favorite food was. Like the the, <laughs> the like the <laughs> that's not imagine if World War Two was going on and Dwight Eisenhower or you know, or General MacArthur was like, you know what? Something happened during the war that made me kind of sad. I think I'm going to go home. <laughs> I need some time to think about this. And just like work at my dad's like malt shop for a while. And maybe I'll come back and keep fighting the war. But maybe not. Like, I don't know. Like, find out next season. Like, what? Like, it, it, it that, that made no sense. Like, it was so weird. Like, 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 it was so weird that like when it first happened, I thought to myself, like, are we like in an alternate reality now? Like, did we cut to like, like, were we going to like, like pan up and there would be like two moons or something? Like, like, <laughs> like oh, it's what's happening to alternate Cisco? And like, that would be a cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it, he's on the holodeck. Or... Yeah. Like, I don't understand. And I don't, and I don't know that I would if I, if I had seen more of it. Like, why? I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it, I don't know. Were you similarly like baffled by that? Yeah, I, I was. I was. I mean, I, again, I kind of get the like narratively how you could come up with that idea of just like you know, oh well, it was this traumatic thing, and because he was supposed to be, because you have all the stuff with him being the emissary and that, and he has to go on this like journey to kind of find himself and figure it out. But you know, it seems like the kind of narrative thing that you could do to a character when something like that happens. But but the fact that it's in the middle, like literally in the middle of a this big war, like they just had a big battle, and they're going to continue this offensive. He was the main person leading it, and he's in and charge. Then, and then he goes all the way back to like Earth too. You know, it's it's not like he goes to the holodeck and is just like, I need to spend, you know, some time. Like, you know, I need a leave of absence. I'm going to go like to my quarters to read or go play baseball on the holodeck. Like he just flies back to Earth and says. I don't know if I'm going to come back or not. Like that, I feel was, it was real weird. Yeah. And then if he, that's, I mean, also, I mean, maybe he just likes working at the restaurant. Maybe he just loves his dad. But at the same time, it's like, if you were going to do this, like you're a very prestigious, important guy. Like you don't have to work at a restaurant either. Like, yeah, like, you go to like some like retreat or. Yeah. Go to, you know, go to whatever, like, Six Flags is in the future or something. Right. I don't know. I mean, again, you know, like, like there was the TNG, like, Picard goes to a, a vineyard or whatever it was in France. And I guess maybe they were trying to go for the same sort of thing, but... I would say two things. One, I know that episode is somewhat popular, but I'm going to be contrary here and say that episode is sucks. That episode is, like, maybe my least favorite episode of TNG. But also... He finished fighting the uh, yeah, the board. Exactly. He didn't like it. Wasn't like in in between part one and part two of Best of Both Worlds. He's like, ah, eh, you know what? I'm out. Like, I'll, I'll come back later. Like, it, it he that was done, and then he went on vacation. You know? It, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. That was a that was a weird. I that was just. And again, I know, I know. It's it's you know contextually, I'm sure it is more parsable, but maybe though, maybe yeah. It was not 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 my fave. We're actually 
really pretty long already, so I don't know how much you want to... Is, is there any like important notes that you want to uh, knock out? No, nothing really important that we didn't already talk about, other than the kind of revisiting our conversation before about the passage of time, or the measurement of time in Star Trek. There's, that there's a point where they're, when the Romulans and Klingons and humans are making this plans, they say something like, we'll have to leave first thing in the morning. And again, and this is, this is, first of all, this is three different people, like, only one of them is Starfleet, so the other two, you know, don't follow Starfleet, like, protocol, and mm-hmm. they're on a space station, so, like, where, where is it morning? Right, I was because, like, there's a shot in that scene, too, I think, where you can see there's, like, a window where it's just space outside, Yeah, and it's not going to be not space outside in the morning, whenever, like, whatever that is, I, I thought that, too, uh... I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, continual, yeah, continual confusion about what time, how how they measure what morning is. In yeah, it's maybe it's like a maybe it's like um, how like after 10 p.m. and like before 8 a.m. like my phone. If I look at my phone, like the screen is kind of like a shade of orange, you know. And then and then maybe like they kind of put on mood lighting after a certain point on DS9, and then and then when it's time to get up, it's like back to kind of regular fluorescent, you know? Yeah, and I presume, I guess on the space station, you would have to do something like that. You would have to have kind of cycles, um, or at least like shifts, you know, I guess would be more what you would do, where, because um, on, I think they do something like that on, I don't know enough about submarines to speak with any degree of authority on this, but I feel like they do something that, like that again because it's another situation where there's no external like indicators of day or night which would drive you crazy mm-hmm. um and so they just for certain hours will have like dimmed lighting either that or they have you know you kind of alternate 12 hours on and off so you're either one side or the other i don't know yeah uh, yeah it was it was a funny note though yeah i don't know it it, it that is that's definitely like we we we're thinking about it more than we're supposed to, but I did, I did notice that too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't really know that I I looked into my window. Uh, you know, I had a couple of just kind of weird production notes, like the the hollow screen that Ducat is talking to the two the other two bad guys through. It looks like just like a window, like he just looks like he's looking at them through a window. But nothing that really really actually needs to get talked about. So. Okay. Uh, I think honestly, I think we're pretty good on this. Uh, sorry yeah. if you like uh, the end of DS Nine. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I actually might start watching DS Nine in order soon, so maybe I'll like it more when I do it that way. Yeah, but just just uh, not not my favorite though. So next time in in two weeks, two weeks from uh, the Sunday the episode this episode comes out, um, we are going to be doing uh, another DS9 episode. We're going to be doing season two, episode twenty-three, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. It's yeah. it's called crossover. It's a mirror universe episode. So yeah, we'll have some stuff to talk about there. We will. Uh, yeah, so you can uh, watch that episode and then come back in two weeks. You can uh, we're on iTunes at Out of Contracts. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Contracts C O N T R E K S, uh, or you can email us at outofcontracts at gmail.com. Um, where our, our, we have a website on Podbean. It's just outofcontracts.podbean.com. And, uh, yeah, you can follow us into those places. And um, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye.